the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Our series is called The Spirit-Filled Life. Today's message, the same title, does just that. Looks at the Spirit-Filled Life through the eyes of the Apostle Paul here in Galatians chapter 5. Abounding Grace is next. Ask 10 different people what the Spirit-filled life looks like, and you're likely to get 10 different answers. But when we go to God's Word, it simplifies things, and that is what we'll do today on Abounding Grace. Welcome to the program. We invite you to spend time with us here in Galatians 5, verses 13 through 25, as we take a look at the Spirit-filled life and what it looks like. Here's Pastor Gary with today's program. Now, it's important to notice verse 21, and there is a particular phrase. It says, I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Beloved, praise God, it says that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Because if it said, those who have done such things once shall not inherit the kingdom of God, you and I might as well pack up things and go home. But it says, Those who practice such things, that is, they live under the domain of such things, under their power, that the practice of such things is done continually and habitually in their lives, day in and day out. Now, understand that Christians are are capable of isolated slips and of committing these sins on occasion, but that is not the practice of a spirit-filled Christian. And if these things are your practice, if this is the habitual course of your life, these things describe the tone of your life, immorality, impurity, sexuality, idolatry, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, envying, drunkenness, disputes, dissensions, and the rest, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So the point is not that Christians will never sin, The point is, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, these things will not dominate your life. Christians are capable of doing these things. Don't think you can't. Don't think you're above any of them, because the moment you think you're above any of them, you better watch out, because those who think they stand should take heed lest they fall. But as John Stott said, Since God's kingdom is a kingdom of godliness, righteousness, and self-control, those who indulge in the works of the flesh will be excluded from God's kingdom. For such works of the flesh give evidence that they are not in Christ at all. They have not been set free from the dominion of sin. They've not been filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice now what these deeds of the flesh are. We can put this list into three groups from verses 19 through 21. And they are those in the realm of self-worship, those in the realm of self-assertion, and those in the realm of self-indulgence. The flesh loves self 
and seeks to make a person's self the king of his life. So all these manifestations, manifestations of this fallenness that remains within us in some way has to do with exalting and pampering of self, self-worship, self-assertion, and self-indulgence. Let's look at them. First of all, there are five of the manifestations of the flesh that can be put in the realm of self-worship. The first is immorality. This is one of the outbreaks of this evil power that is within us, even as Christians, and which dominates the non-Christian. Immorality. That is any offense against the family, such as not even contributing to the welfare and the joy of the family, or anything that is an attack on the family, particularly in the area of sexuality. These are going to be brief. Then there is more impurity. Impurity is moral uncleanness in thought, imagination, or in life. And then there is sexuality. That is any kind of lawless sexuality, physical or mental. It is a life of one living for self to satisfy one's desire and to live for pleasure. Idolatry is simply, no matter how you look at it, is a worship of self. Then sorcery in the New Testament not only refers to a secret, secret tampering with the powers of evil and trying to control the presence and the and present and the future, but some other means than the word of God. But the word sorcery, from which we get the English word pharmaceutical, remains means to deal in drugs and in poisons. And sorcerers were assassins. But you want deadly drugs, you you want drugs to get you high or hallucinate, then you go to a sorcerer. All of these things have to do with the pleasing of self and making self feel good. And it is an outbreak of the flesh. Then the second area is the realm of self-ascension. Look at verse 20 in the middle of the chapter. There it talks about the deeds of the flesh as enmities. That is, hatreds, plural. In other words, the unbeliever is at war against God and anybody or anything that is a threat to his own autonomy and his sovereign will. He himself is the most important thing in his life. He feels he should be free to be whatever he wants and to do whatever he wants to do without any side restraints. And he will not tolerate restraints from any quarter. So he's full of hatred. It's full of strife. That is the expression of the hatred in our relationship with other people. I'm my own God. I don't want you trampling on my rights. I don't want you to put any restrictions on me. I don't want you to judge me. If you do, there will be serious trouble between us. That is an outbreak of the flesh. Jealousy. Human beings are would-be gods. The Bible teaches that all unbelievers are dominated by that drive, and it even crops up in Christians. Whenever we sin, we are saying, I'm the God of my life. That's what I want to be. So because we are would-be gods, we are insecure, and we're jealous of each other. Outburst of anger. Literally in Greek, it is wraths, or plural. A lot of times, they use the plural to identify the verb. 
In other words, outbursts of anger means smoking with rage, hot passion, enraged anger. Someone who lives with an undercurrent of anger in their heart. And sometimes, oftentimes, he explodes because he's dissatisfied with himself. Maybe with his marriage, with his work, and of course with his life. (coughs) But ultimately... He is angry at God for not working things out better for him. An outburst of the flesh. Then there are disputes. That is selfish ambitions that lead to contention and bitterness. Then dissension. Someone who is always breaking apart relationships. The word literally means a standing apart. Standing apart from the community either in being hospitable or indifference. If someone, is, if someone just isn't a part of things and is standoffish, it is because he's full of jealousy and rage and anger and indifference. But behind it all is a self-absorption. <coughs> I'm too good to get involved with this group, so I'll just separate over here and I'll try to find someone as good as me. Forget this crowd. Factions. The word literally in Greek is heresies. It comes from a word meaning to choose. Rush Dooney said, we are in heresy when we pick and choose what we believe in Scripture rather than receiving it all as the Word of God, unquote. Envying. What is envy as opposed to jealousy? Envy is displeasure in hearing someone else get something Good that you don't get. Displeasure at the success of other people. Resentment that someone has something we don't have. Rush Dooney said again, The secret wish of envy is murder. A refusal to allow anyone to be better off than we are. And then there are those sins in the realm of self-indulgence in verse 21. Drunkenness. The Bible teaches us here that no drunkard shall inherit the kingdom of God. A drunkard is someone who is not in control of himself because of a continual intoxication or addiction. Carousing is an excess of partying. Due to a loosening usually of inhibitions and self-restraint because of alcohol or drugs. And then he concludes the list with the phrase, things like these. In other words, this list is not exhaustive. There are many things that he could have added. The point is that these are the expressions of what sin, even within the believer, is capable of manifesting, if it were not for the Spirit of God within him. The only way to hold these things in check, to suppress them, is in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to bear in mind something. What is the issue that Paul is concerned with in the book of Galatians? Remember, it is legalist. Who are the legalists again? They are people who say, you have to strictly obey the law of God in order to merit God's favor. And it is these people that Paul is referring to concerning envying, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, immorality, impurity, sexuality, idolatry. In other words, legalists were not very legal. 
These people who placed such a high premium on the law of God were anything but submissive to the law of God. Oh, they talked a good game. Do you talk a good game? Do any of these things dominate your life? Or on those occasions when you see them rear their ugly head in your life, do you hate yourself and go to the Lord Jesus Christ for victory over them? Now, over against the deeds of the flesh, the Bible sets forth the fruit of the Spirit. The unbeliever's life is dominated by the deeds of the flesh. The believer's life, because he is dominated by the Spirit, is full of the fruit of the Spirit. And he dies more and more unto sin and lives more and more unto righteousness. And he manifests ever increasingly in his everyday life that which the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. And he does so for only one reason. And that is because he is filled with the Spirit constantly. By the way, the filling of the Spirit is not something that happens to you once. It is a constant, continuous experience that begins with a new birth, and it continues on throughout eternity. Now, in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit, then it mentions love, joy, peace, etc., I would first have you notice the phrase of the Spirit. That points to its origin. All of these fruits originate with the Holy Spirit of God, not with anything in us. None of these things can be produced in a human's life apart from the Holy Spirit of God. They are not inherent, innate human qualities that are true in some measure even of all human beings. No human being upon this earth can manifest these qualities until he is filled with the Holy Spirit. Then when he is filled with the Holy Spirit, he will manifest them. Because remember what the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit are virtues out of the humanity of Christ that the Holy Spirit takes from his own humanity, plants them in your life, and cultivates them and causes them to manifest themselves. And it is a Christ-likeness. And only a Spirit-filled Christian can be Christ-like. And every Spirit-filled Christian will be Christ-like. And all Christians are filled with the Spirit the moment that they are converted. So if you manifest love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness in your life, don't ever pat yourself on the back. It is because of the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life, enabling you to do what your flesh is trying its best to keep you from doing. And that is why we are not always loving and peaceful and joyful, because the flesh lusts against the Spirit. But that is why we are more times than not loving, joyful, and peaceful, and long-suffering, because the Spirit lusts against the flesh, and He is of omnipotent power. I would like you to notice the second thing in the phrase, the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is singular. You notice that? It doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. It speaks of a single cluster of virtues, you know, like a bunch of grapes. So it's not fruits. It is fruit. And then it lists several things. The point is, this is a single cluster of Christ-like virtues that are contained in the Christian character. And that is what makes a Christian character Christian. 
It is described by this cluster of fruit. In other words, every Christian, every Christian will experience and will manifest all of these things mentioned as the fruit of the Spirit. Although some are often more conspicuous in some Christians and others more so in other Christians. In other words, it's not if you manifest five out of so many, you're then on top of everybody else. No, it is a single cluster. And in the spirit-filled Christian's life, they all will show up. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, things like that. Christ's likeness will manifest itself. Though sometimes in our lives, some of this fruit is more conspicuous than other times, and some of this fruit is more conspicuous in some Christians than in other Christians. But it is all there in every single Christian. So as we go down and look at these quickly, ask yourself, are these in me? And don't say, praise God, I've got eight out of nine. Because you know what? That's impossible. It is a single cluster. So look at them in your life. You won't have them in perfection, but see if they are there. Love. That is the word agape, which is wholehearted devotion to God. And beloved, it is the most important thing in your life. Everything else is a far second to love. It is a willingness to give selfless service to God and to other people. Joy is something that the greatest tragedy cannot rob you of. It is a delight in the worship of God, a contentment with the providence of God in your life, delight in serving God and other people. A sense of purpose in your vocation. Peace is a calmness of the soul. Order in your life. Even when things are not going very well. Then discipline, broken relationships are in the process of being restored. You, you experience more and more increasingly restored spiritual health. You're able to control your tongue and your life is in all areas, faithful in all areas of your life. Long-suffering, as the NSAB says, patience. That is perseverance and love and well-doing. And the very idea of patience and long-suffering presupposes someone attacking you, slandering you, someone is provoking you, someone is persecuting you, but you are able to maintain a faithful demeanor in the face of attack. Kindness. Kindness is graciousness. Readiness to be useful and to serve other people. A kind of person, a kind person is a person other people like to be around. Do other people like to be around you? Or do they always avoid you to be around someone else? Goodness. The virtue of goodness has a couple of ideas to it. One is abundant generosity. A good person, like God, is a generous person. A, a good person is also someone who has moral power. That is, he is in control of his attitudes and responses to the evil that's in this world. He is good and he is faithful. Faithfulness means reliability, 
loyalty, trustworthiness, and devotion to that covenant bond that holds us all together as believers. The fruit of the Spirit is also gentleness or meekness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is a very interesting Greek word. Meek means tamed, broken to a harness like an ox, useful and friendly. In other words, a gentle person or a meek person is someone under God's control. He is someone in God's harness. He is someone who bears Christ's yoke. He is warm and friendly to other people. And he is tamed regardless of how people treat him. Then self-control. This word comes from a Greek word that means strength. A self-controlled person is someone who has the ability to exercise strength and self-control in all the various pressures that face us in this life. And Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then after all that, he concludes by saying, against such things there is no law. Why did he say that? Because he says the works of the flesh mark the lawless person no matter what his person professes that he is. While the fruit of the Spirit marks the godly person who loves God's law. Because God's law is written on his heart and his soul and his very being. So we have gone through this single cluster of the fruit of the Spirit. So I ask you, are you filled with the fruit of the Spirit? If you are. This fruit constantly is showing up in your life. Is it? Other people may be able to see them more clearly than you can see them. But they're all there nonetheless. Not two or three. Not seven or eight. They are all there in your life. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13 and with this I'll conclude for today. This is basically a parallel passage. 1 Corinthians 13, which describes the spirit-filled person. But we, of course, all fall short. But if this is the kind of life that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to cultivate and manifest in us. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8a. Listen carefully. And, and I honestly tell everybody that I counsel with that this is something you need to read every single day of your life. That's how important this passage is. Beginning in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek it own, its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. So, I ask you. Do you know anything about the war that is within you? Do you know anything about hating to see the deeds of the flesh crop up in your life? Do you know anything about getting the victory more times than not over the sins that remain within you so that you don't sin as much as the unbeliever does? Do you see the fruit of the Spirit in your life? These are the things that describe the Spirit-filled life 
If your life is filled with the Spirit, it will blossom even into old age. If it is not filled with the Spirit, the deeds of the flesh will continue and you will just shrivel up and die. In Christ and Christ alone, beloved, there is victory over the flesh. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Dot org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are two in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found, again, at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.